welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's give the Lord a hand praise wherever you're at. This is Pastor Brian, and on behalf of the Chapel of Change, we welcome you uh, to our online uh, worship service. And we want to just thank you for allowing us to enter into uh, your living room or your car, or wherever we're watching at, and whatever state or city you're watching in. God bless you. God bless you. Do us a favor. Type out, if you're watching on Facebook, type out where you're watching this from, what city, so that we can know uh, the extent of our reach uh, in this. Uh, before I get into the word this morning, I want to remind you that I have a text message ministry where I want to I want to connect to you beyond the Sunday service throughout the week, send you a text of encouragement uh, and faith. If you'll text your name to 562-393-7330. 562-393-7330. Text your name to that number and uh, we will put you on that list. We'll put you uh, on that list. Want to want to make sure that you're being encouraged uh, during uh, this time. Make sure that you're being encouraged. Well, my brothers and sisters, uh, today we are going to start a new uh, series uh, today entitled Boiler Room. Boiler Room. Uh, the title of our sermon series is Boiler Room, um, but the subject is going to be on prayer and consecration. Prayer and consecration. So you might say, what is a boiler room, right? What, what is a boiler room? Well, a boiler room served uh, an important purpose in the early 1900s. Uh, the boiler rooms empowered large uh, steamships. Uh, boiler rooms were characterized by extreme heat, by uh, excessive sweat and hard labor. It was where the people worked uh, to tend the fire uh, that was running the boiler to empower uh, the steamship. So get this, the boiler room empowered the large steamships. The boiler room was weak then the steamship would be weak. If the boiler room was strong, then the steamship would be strong. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, uh, coined the term boiler room to describe his church's prayer gatherings. They, they, they described his church's prayer gatherings, right? Um, he believed that the boiler room empowered the work of the church. The boiler room empowered the work of the family. It empowered uh, the individual to live out their destiny in life. If, if the boiler room was strong, then the work of the church would be strong. If the boiler room was strong, uh, then the individual would have a passionate and strong uh, lifestyle for the Lord. And we believe uh, that the Bible teaches the same thing about prayer. It teaches the same thing about prayer. In fact, look at James. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Notice that. Um, the earnest prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, great power. How many know that we need supernatural power today? Right? We need supernatural power to live on destiny. We need supernatural power to stay focused. We need supernatural power to go to church. Some of us need supernatural power to get out of bed. Just this morning, 
early in the morning, I received two phone calls from individuals I don't know, and they were desperately crying out for a fresh touch of the power of God, a fresh touch of the power of God. They were in tears. In fact, many people have called me or I've talked to many people in the last couple of weeks because this pandemic has discouraged them and thrown them off of serving the Lord and they're crying out. And I told this one particular sister this morning, I said, listen, you need to get to church. You need to get to church. We have outdoor services. And if there's nothing wrong with you physically, you need to get to the body of Christ because there's supernatural power um, that is available when we pray together, when we study the word together, when we worship the Lord, there's supernatural power that is available to us. We believe in the power of prayer. Now, for the next four weeks, we're going to be going over the subject of prayer and consecration because we want you to develop a strong boiler room, a strong boiler room. And we're going to go over different topics. My, actually, my wife is going to help me out and we're going to be tag team preaching on some of these Sundays. But week one today, we're going to go over raising a prayer altar. Week two, we're going to go over consecrate ourselves. Week three, we're going to go over disarm sinful appetites. And week four, we're going to go over bear fruit of holiness. So each week, uh, we have a different subtopic that we're going to study and we're going to learn about. And in effect, in these couple weeks, we're going over the presence, the process, the power, and the purpose of God in prayer. The presence, um, the presence, the power the order of God in prayer the presence the process the power and the purpose of God and our hope our hope my brothers and sisters as we study together and as we learn the word of the Lord together our hope is to see you step up into higher levels of holiness so that you could be empowered to fulfill your design, divine assignment for this hour. That's our hope as we study the Bible. Um, is for you to step into higher levels of holiness. So that you could be empowered to fulfill your divine assignment for this hour. God has a divine assignment for you. God has a divine assignment for you. And it's not to stay in bed all day long. It's not to stay in bed all day long. He has a divine assignment for, for us all. And I'm praying that we're going to rise up to that divine assignment. Now, as we get into our learning for these next couple weeks, it's important that we remember who we are and what we're called to do in the kingdom of God. It's important for us to remember who we are and what we're called to do in the kingdom of God. The world's aim, my brothers and sisters, is to get you to forget who you are in the kingdom of God because the moment you forget who you are, you cannot fulfill what you're called to do. My role is to teach you who you are in the kingdom of God. My role is to open up this Bible and remind you who you are in the kingdom of God. The first thing I want to let you know is that if you're a born-again believer, follower of Jesus Christ, 
you are part of a priesthood. You're part of a priesthood. You are part of a kingdom of priests. Now listen, I don't want you to see yourself through your natural eyes. If you look at yourself through your natural eyes, you're not going to be able to grasp this. You need to see yourself through the eyes of God. You need to see yourself through the eyes of the Bible. Because what I'm about to tell you who you are, when I tell you who you are in the kingdom of God, it's radical. It's radical. And if you look at yourself through your own eyes, you're going to say, how could I be a priest if I did what I did last week? How could I be a priest if, if I am what I am? That's The problem is you're looking at yourself through your own eyes or you're looking at yourself through society or you're looking at yourself through what somebody else told you you are. My role is to tell you who you are according to God. If you're a born-again believer, you are part of a kingdom of priests. You are part of the priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, look at what it says, but you are a chosen generation, a, a, whole, a, a royal, royal priesthood, notice what it says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice what it says. You're part of a, 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 a chosen generation. You're part of a royal priesthood. Part of a priesthood. Now, when you understand that you're part of a priesthood, what I want you to get today is two major things. I want you to get the role of the priest, and I want you to get the role of the altar. The role of the priest and the role of the altar. That's all I got for you today, and if you get this, um, you're going to walk away uh, uh, changed. You're going to walk away transformed in your spirit. You're going to walk away today blessed. Number one, the role of the priest was to minister to God. The role of the priest was to minister to God. We get the word priest from the Bible. And the preparation of the priesthood was sacred and it was special. And the priest's role was to minister to God. I want you to catch that. It was to minister to God. Look at the scripture. It says, you shall anoint them as you anoint their father. This is God speaking to Moses about Aaron's sons. That they may minister to me. Notice that. That they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generation. Notice why they're, why they're priests. Notice why they're anointed. That they may minister to me, says the Lord. The role of the priest is to minister to God. We see expressions of this in the New Testament in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, when the church came together to try to hear from God on what were they going to do with Apostle Paul and Barnabas, notice what takes place in Acts chapter 13. As they ministered to the Lord, notice that, it doesn't say as they ministered to one another. Notice that, it doesn't say as they ministered to one another. It says as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said... Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice something powerful in this scripture. Before they heard from heaven, they had to minister to the Lord. 
Notice this, they're ministering to the Lord, opened up a window uh, from heaven that they can get directions from on high. They ministered to the Lord. Now listen, we don't gather together just so that we can see one another. We don't gather together on Sundays just to sing a couple songs. We don't gather together on Sundays just so I can feel good about my spiritual life. No, if that's the only reason why you're gathering on Sundays, you don't understand who you are in the kingdom of God. You are a priest unto the Lord. And the reason why we gather together is not centered around me, but centered around the Lord. And we are called to minister unto the Lord. We're called to minister unto the Lord. That's why we come to church to minister unto the Lord. It's not about you. It's not about me. We've got to change our view on our gatherings. Because if you just think it's about you, then anything could distract you. But if you think it's, if you realize it's about God, then you're going to get here hell or high water. So we're called as priests to minister to God. And the role of the priest was to minister uh to God by offering sacrifices to God. The role of the priest was to minister to God by offering sacrifices to God. Sacrifices of prayer, sacrifices of worship, sacrifices of praise, spiritual gifts, sacrificial gifts unto the Lord. When you talk about the subject of sacrifice, one thing you'll understand is that in the Bible there are acceptable sacrifices and then there are unacceptable sacrifices. In the Bible, there are acceptable sacrifices. And then there are unacceptable sacrifices. We see example of this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5. When Abel offered to God a sacrifice that was respected and received by God. But then his brother Cain offered a sacrifice that was not accepted and was actually rejected by God. What? You mean to tell me? That God rejected a sacrifice? Yes. You know why? Because there's acceptable sacrifices and then there's unacceptable sacrifices. When you understand that, you won't just give anything to God. I want God to receive what I got to give Him. Amen? You want God to receive it. You don't want to just come and play church. You don't want to just come and, come and go through the motions. No. We want God to receive what we have to offer. What makes a sacrifice acceptable or unacceptable what makes it acceptable or unacceptable well an acceptable sacrifice is an offering um, prescribed by god it's prescribed by god let me let me break that down a little bit more it's an offering uh, the lord accepts because it's offered on his terms it's offered on his terms it's what he ordered it's what he wants it's what makes him happy right this is what makes a, a, a sacrifice acceptable in the eyes of the lord is when we come to god on his terms we give to him what he wants not what we want problem with America today, a problem with a lot of Americanized Christians today, I should say, is that we, we think God accepts anything we give them. And so we just give them whatever we want to give them. But that's not our God. God doesn't just accept anything. Many Christians think that God will just receive uh, just anything that they give him. Not so. Not so. Study your Bible. Study your Bible. 
What we give to God must be in line with what He wants on His terms. It must be what, what He ordered. You can't give to God what He doesn't order. He won't receive it. He won't receive it. Got to be on His terms. Last week, my wife uh, celebrated a birthday. And I took my kids. I got three little kids, Nathaniel 11, Sophie, uh, Sarah 10, and Sophia 6. And I grabbed them and I put them in the truck. And I said, hey, we're going to go to Target. And we're going to buy uh, a bunch of little party things that we could celebrate your mom with. We're going we're gonna to buy some stuff that's going to make her happy. We're going to buy some stuff that we're going to celebrate her with. And so they all got in my truck and we took off to Target and we found the little party section. And, and uh, they, I said, kids, start picking out some stuff. And uh, they started picking out this. They picked out that. And after about four or five things that they picked out, after they picked out the pinata, I noticed something. I noticed something. I noticed that they were picking out things that would make them happy, not their mom. I noticed that they're, they, were, they were picking out things that they, that they wanted to celebrate, not necessarily that their mom wanted to celebrate. And I didn't realize it until after they picked out a pinata. In a similar way, many of us, from time to time, we approach God the same way. We try to give Him what we want to give Him. Instead of giving him what he has ordered. The Bible teaches in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. It says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Get this word, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We don't come to church to play church. We want God to receive our offerings. And so we got to give it on his terms. Now, number two, the role of the altar was the place of prayer and consecration. The role of the altar was the place of prayer and consecration. The altar was very significant in the Bible. It's used over 400 times in the Bible. An altar was a table or a platform a priest placed an offering on to God. That's what an altar was. And apart from an altar, there was no sacrifice. Apart from an altar, there was no sacrifice. So I want you to get this. Probably the most significant utensil of a priest was the altar. Because the priest's role was to minister to God through sacrifices. And the way that he did that was through the altar. When there was no altar, there's no sacrifices. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The importance of having an altar if you're a priest. There were two altars that God instructed Moses to make in Exodus chapter 40. The altar of burnt offering. And the altar of incense. Incense. The altar of incense was placed inside the tabernacle near the most holy place. The presence of God. 
That's where that altar was. It was was near the presence of God. And the priests burn incense on this altar every day. So it's fragrant. Fragrance of the incense would fill the tabernacle. Now remember, remember this. The Old Testament was a prophetic and symbolic picture of our role today as priests. So it gives us a picture of what we're supposed to do as priests in the kingdom of God. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The altar of incense was symbolic of a prayer altar for you and I. It was symbolic of a prayer altar. Revelation chapter 8 verse 3 says, Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Listen. The altar of incense was symbolic to a prayer altar for us in the New Testament. Psalms uh, chapter 141, King David said, you Let my prayer be set before you as incense. See, the incense, prophetically, symbolically, is the prayer's of the saints going up into heaven. And so a prayer altar is the way of priesthood. The prayer altar is the way of priesthood. It was where it's where we present to God our sacrifices of prayer, of worship, of praise. That's where we where we it's on the prayer altar that we present to God our sacrifices of prayer, of worship, and, and praise. And listen, here's the big idea, my brothers and sisters. Here's the big idea. Every Christian is a priest unto God and should raise a prayer altar in their lives. That's the big idea for this study this morning. I want you to understand that you're a priest unto God. And once you understand that you're a priest unto God, it's time for you to raise up a prayer altar in your life because without an altar, there's no sacrifice. That's how important, that's how vital having a prayer altar is. Now listen, my brothers and sisters. Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he talks about a prayer closet which is in effect is the same thing. The prayer altar can be a section in your bedroom. A prayer altar can be a section in your living room. A prayer altar can be a dedicated place in your garage. A prayer altar can be a dedicated place in your car. If that's, if that's where you dedicate that you're going to pray to God to. If that's where the, the, the space where you're going to commit to praying to God and giving your offerings in. The place is not as important as as you having one. Prayer altar is important, my brothers and sisters. Powerful experiences happen on the altar of prayer. Healing happens at the altar. Faith develops on the altar. Power is released. On the altar. Transformation occurs on the altar. Heaven meets earth on the altar. Study your Bible over and over again. Heaven comes down and engulfs the altar. Faith develops on the altar. Healing happens on the altar. Power is released on the altar. Transformation occurs 
on the altar. When you think of altar, think of alterations, alterations. You take your clothes into the dry cleaners to be altered. What does that mean? That means you take your clothes in one way, but you get them out another way. Why? Because they've been altered. They've been altered. Transformation occurs on the altar. Heaven meets earth on the altar. Listen, maybe, maybe the reason why your home life is so discombobulated and chaotic is because you never raised an altar in your home. Maybe you've never raised an altar in your home. Do you know that you could shift the environment of your home life? Did you know that the blessings of the Lord follows the altar? Did you know you can change the environment of your marriage? You can change the environment of your family. You can change the environment of your home. If you erect or rise an altar in your house, I'm trying to take you to another level, my brothers and sisters. I'm trying to get you into another room in the kingdom of God. I'm trying to give you a breakthrough, but you're going to have to do something you've never done before. You're going to have to go into your home. You're going to have to find out a space and you're going to have to dedicate a prayer altar to the Lord. What does that mean? That means that's the place where you're going to pray. That's the place where you're going to seek the Lord in the morning. That's the place where you're going to read your Bible. That's the place where you're going to offer your sacrifice of worship to the Lord. Trying to get you to another level. Trying to get you somewhere in the kingdom you've never been before. Maybe, maybe the reason why you haven't experienced the power of God as you should is because you've never raised up a prayer altar. A prayer altar is the first thing that every Christian should do. It's the first thing that every Christian must do. Our nation needs more prayer altars. Our cities need more prayer altars. Our community needs more prayer altars. Can you imagine? I really believe, my brothers and sisters, that God is looking over heaven today and watching if His kids will raise up a prayer altar in their cities, in their communities, in their homes, so that He can engulf that area with His presence and fire, passion and healing and transformation. Do you have a prayer altar? Do you have a prayer altar? If you do, how is it? Is it rusty? Does it got cobwebs? Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. This week, maybe even today, go back to your home. Go in your home. By the help of the Holy Spirit, look around in your home and designate a prayer altar somewhere. Find a space. Find a space where you say, that's where I'm going to seek the Lord. That's where I'm going to pray in the morning. That's where I'm going to study my Bible. That's where heaven is going to meet earth in my house. That space right there. That's your challenge. May have to be in the garage. Mine's in the garage. May have to be in a closet, a literal closet. May even have to be in your car. But you're going to dedicate a space, a space this week. In Jesus' name. And when you do, let us know. When you do, let us know on social media, email. Just let us know. I got, a, I got an altar. I raised an altar. I'm ready to go to the next level with God. I'm ready to go further and deeper in my walk with God. Let us know. Let us know. Let's bow our heads. Everybody, let's bow our heads. 
Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today studying with me the Bible. I thank you for your word and your challenge, Father God. Help us, Lord, to raise a prayer altar. Help us to raise a prayer altar, Lord God. Lord, help us, even in the hustle and bustle of our home life, help us to carve out a place that we dedicate to you to seek your face, to pray, to worship, to offer spiritual sacrifices. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. God bless you, God bless you. I pray, I'm confident that you were encouraged today. I'm confident that you were challenged today by the word of the Lord. Listen, the word of the Lord never comes back void. When we study this word, man, the word brings healing. The word brings strength. Uh, the word brings energy. There's something that there's, there's something that happens when we study the word together. And I believe that that power is resting upon your home right now, beloved, in the name.